example, creation out of nothing contrasts with creational ex materia, which you can understand is creation out of some pre-existent eternal matter. So you have this idea that there is something out of nothing or something from something. And what is really uh, exciting as well about this ex nihilo phrase is that when used outside um, of religious or, or, or context, let's say, it also refers to something coming from nothing. For example, in a conversation, one might raise a topic ex nihilo. It, it bears no relation to the previous topic of discussion. The term has specific meaning also in two areas, which I find interesting, the military and computer science. And so, out of nothing, God creates something. Interesting. That God does not need something to get something going. He just needs you. And he needs me. And it's a journey that we're on. And in this journey, God uh, allows us to partner with him. And uh, we have been hearing tonight about 10th anniversary and five-year anniversary and uh, I'm reminded, of course, of uh, the beginning of City Center Church, where, in fact, in January, we'll be celebrating 10 years as well of the beginning of that journey, of that ministry and church. Uh, some of you are part of that. There was also a very important journey uh, some many years ago by a guy named Joshua, found in the book of Joshua. And in chapter 1 and verse 3, it says, I will give you every place you set your foot. He says, as I promised Moses, your territory will extend from the desert to Lebanon and from the great river, the Euphrates, and all the Hittite, the country, to the Mediterranean Sea, to the very west. He says, no one will be able to stand against you all the days of your life. He goes on to say, as I was with Moses, so I will be with you. I will never leave you nor forsake you. Be strong and courageous because you will lead these people to inherit the land I swore to their ancestors to give to them. And then verse 7, again, be strong and very courageous. And so we have really good biblical uh, precedents for how from the book of Genesis, when God created everything that we know out of nothing, God created something. And he continues to do it to this very day. And he did it through Joshua. And he had to remind him to be courageous and to be strong because oftentimes the thing that stops us from the, the journey of a lifetime that God has designed for you and for me is that we, we get afraid, we become afraid, or we're scared, or we stop before we get to that breakthrough in our lives, or that breakthrough in the call that God has placed on, on your uh, ministry that you have, and you have a ministry. And uh, so, really, as we look at the five years of resurgence and what it stands for, what it's all about, uh, I happen to have played some small part in that in in the area of just walking with uh, Travis, walking with the team that's assembled together. 
And, uh, but in those early days, as we were dreaming about what it would be like to see something rise up again in our city that maybe had been there back in the days of, uh, you know, Dr. Price or some other person that we could put up on the screen and say, isn't this amazing that, you know, in the old Sportex, there was 10,000 people that came to services and so many got saved and so many got healed. Instead of talking about the historical context, we could begin to talk about what God's doing in our day. But we would have to be strong. And we would have to be courageous. And we would have to have a vision that would extend itself into this phrase, ex nihilo, out of nothing, God would create something. That when the doctors say it's impossible, that you can believe that God says it's possible. That you can believe that even though the report that you got about something that you're dealing with right now that does not look good, it can change if you'll trust the God that's able to do something even when there's nothing to work with because he doesn't need anything. Isn't that amazing? It just takes us way beyond where we've ever been before. And so I want to ask this quick question tonight. That's simply, when's the last time you did something for the very first time? When's the last time you did, I did something for the very first time? For some of you, you can think, well, today was that day I did something for the very first time. For others, you'll have to go back and really stretch the memory bank and say, I don't know if I ever have. Or if I did, it was a long time ago. But today is a day of new beginnings. Amen? It's a new, new opportunities. Travis, uh, God has raised him up, and uh, over the last almost 10 years, we've walked together in a mentoring, uh, you know, sort of spiritual father covering blessing role in his life and, and those that serve with him as well, many of them. But uh, resurgence has come to a place where, just like tonight, you look around you and we're in this new facility again that we, I don't, have we been here before? No. First time, and, and it's, it's awesome, and it's so well set up. It has such a great feel to it. But look, it, it's, it's 85% full tonight. It's, it's like it just wants to keep filling up, filling up. And we recognize that. And so one of the things that we have done is uh, Resurgence now is moving into uh, being uh, a registered charity. And there's uh, a board of directors. There's three of us. I'm... I should say four of us. I'm one of them. And uh, because of that, we, we have a governance that we have. And we look uh, out for the things that need to be looked out for. And then Travis has a team that's uh, like a lead team that works with him on a sort of day-to-day basis. But this uh, has not come about just kind of through, you know, well, should we, shouldn't we? We really sought God and prayed. And it's really felt right that God said, I want you to just do something new. I want you to separate the old from the new. What I did before was good. It was great. But what I'm going to do now is even better. And it's, it's today. And part of that new thing that God's doing is that he's releasing Travis to uh, lead resurgence in a full-time way. And so from uh, seven plus years of working uh, in an awesome ministry, Extreme Dream Ministries here in Edmonton, that's touched the world, 
now he has the opportunity to give his full-time uh, allegiance and, and energy and uh, passion. And in many ways, like Joshua chapter, chapter 1, uh, the God, God is calling him to arise and to, to go to new land and to go to new territory. And he's telling him to be strong and courageous. And we are backing that. Amen? But we're standing behind that and saying, right on. We are the cheerleaders that are saying, we believe that this is not a one-off. This is something God has ordained. In fact, five years, five in the Bible is a number of grace. Six is the number of man. Seven is the number of new beginnings. Eight is the number of new things. And I believe that grace is upon resurgence. And grace is upon uh, those that have been a part of it and are going to be a part of it. But the difference is, what could it look like if we would really partner? So I'm going to invite Diana to come up, and she's going to just uh, let us know how we can give tonight. But what I want to do in these last few moments and wanted to do is just uh, paint a picture or to build uh, a foundation for why we are uh, doing what we're doing and why we believe that what we're doing is just uh, minuscule as compared to what God wants for us to do in the future. But for that, we've got to believe that God is able to do something out of nothing. And for that, you've got to partner together. So let's do that tonight. God bless you. Thank you so much, Ken. Um, yeah, I, I mean, it's, I've been on the Resurgence Lead Team since... It's inception, I guess, five years ago. I've shared this with some of you before. Um, you know, I just came out to, like, put up posters, and now it's five years later, and it's part of this beautiful move of God. And during worship tonight, I was thinking, I'm so thankful for, like, the stories of transformation and for the lives that have been changed and just inspired and spurred on because of resurgence. And... Um, I'm really excited to see, Travis, with you giving this leadership full-time, not just like instead of going golfing, we do resurgence on the side as a hobby, but like really like pouring your life into it, um, just the growth that can happen. And since its start, in our DNA, it has been that resurgence is not about an event. It's not about a gathering. It's about a lifestyle. And so in order for it to grow into that, in order for us to really see, like, what does it look like to call each and every one that comes out to our gatherings into this lifestyle of resurgence? Like, how do we actually walk with you more than just once a month, right? Um, it, it takes more leadership. It takes more time. It takes more resources. And um, I, I don't know where we're going to be five years from now, but I'm, I'm pretty excited. <laughs> um, and so, uh, as Ken said, we will, we are going to have an opportunity now to give, um, just some of the logistics of that, um, in a moment, I will, uh, have the ushers kind of roaming around and they'll have a couple things. So one is just an envelope that looks like this. Um, they're from city center church, uh, right now as our charitable status is in progress, we want to still make sure you can get tax receipts for your donations. So that's why they go through city center church. So, um, if you would like an envelope to get a tax receipt in a moment you can wave 
one finger like this, and that's the signal to the ushers. Um, and they'll give you one of these uh, and cash, check payable to City Center Church, or there is debit Visa MasterCard available out in the lobby. Uh, the other thing that I've got the ushers stocked up with are these lovely pamphlet brochure things partner with us. Um, like Ken said, like the old was good, but this is something new. This is like something new that God is birthing. It's a new seed that's just like kind of breaking ground. And that takes like energy and resources and it needs to be like nourished in a certain way. And um, so this is new for us looking at having monthly partners. So monthly partners are people um, that are committed to giving and sowing into resurgence and to praying with us on a monthly basis. And so we'll keep you posted about like, what are we praying about? What is God saying about resurgence so that you can really partner with us in prayer? Um, And also it's like amazing, even if you think like, okay, well, I could maybe partner $20 a month, but that's kind of insignificant. So why bother? Like... That actually is really huge to us, just knowing that people are saying, we're with you, we're tracking with you, we believe in what you're doing, and we want to sow into that. Like, the amount even isn't as important. I just want to say that. I feel like there might be people who are just thinking, like, I just, I wish I could give more generously. Well, God just calls you to come with what you have. Um, and to, and to sow that where you see fit. So I just want to say whatever you're thinking in your mind that you maybe could do, like that's not insignificant and it's not only huge to me, but it's actually a really big deal to God too. And, and he loves that and he'll bless that. So to get one of these, just to even read more about it, or if you're thinking about becoming a monthly partner, um, you can fill it out on this form. That would be like a two finger wave to the ushers. Um, I guess if you wanted both, you could like do it or like three fingers or like something. I don't know. Um, yeah, or just let them know what you want. So ushers, if you guys can kind of roam around, if you see any hands waving, um, you can go ahead and give that. Um, as you guys get your envelopes and your partner sheets and all that, um, <laughs> I love someone actually was doing this, <laughs> as I instructed. Um, just a heads up, if you drove a blue Civic tonight, um, license plate BKY2538, your headlights might be on so you can go and take care of that and then ushers when you're ready i'll just get you to come to the front so we can pass these lovely buckets around karis is gonna give us some lovely instrumental background music here Um, And we do want to have like a short break so you guys can interact with community, get up, go to the lobby and give with Visa or Debit if you'd like and just spend a bit of time together. So once the bucket is kind of woven past you, feel free to just say hi to whoever's around you or go to the bathroom, go get a drink of water, do what you need to do and we'll come back in a few minutes um, for the message. So ushers, I think, are coming with their baskets right now. Don't miss them. (laughs) Thanks, guys.
Good evening. I'll give you a chance to grab a seat. It is uh, really good uh, to be here tonight. It's really good to see you, and, uh, and uh, God is here, and uh, His presence is here, and I uh, just want to thank uh, Victory on the Rock for allowing us to be here tonight, and um, I want to uh, thank Ken and Lena, and uh, from the beginning when Resurgence was this... Uh, this idea, this thing on paper, and they believed in it and just have been such supporters. And so it is a new season, and it is um, exciting. And so uh, invite those in the lobby to come on in when you're, when you're done, and uh, we're going to start. Um, I, I want to talk, too, just briefly. I know Diana went through a lot of announcements. Uh, the next resurgence is October 26th. Uh, Simon Peter is, uh, I would say, more of a, a statesman, uh, an older gentleman from Uganda who pastors or oversees 4,000 churches in Uganda. Uh, I think it grew recently from 2,000 to 4,000. Uh, he's just, he loves the Holy Spirit. And uh, we just really believe in, in getting all generations to share and to impart what they've learned. And I just believe it's going to be a, a really cool, I was in Africa last uh, summer with Dean, and we just had an amazing time, and so I'm excited to hear what he's going to say, and so uh, that's who's speaking, and it's going to be, I know he spoke in Ottawa in a church, and the Holy Spirit just moved in a powerful way, and uh, and so we're really excited to have him. He's in town for something else, and really glad that he could be with us, and so that's good. Well, tonight, I want to talk about uh, faith, and um, more specifically, I, I... What's in my heart tonight is this, this wording, the crazy calls. And I use the word crazy, and to some people who are a certain generation and younger, crazy is a good thing. <laughs> to those maybe at a certain mark that are older, crazy is like, you're talking about crazy. That's like mental, insane. That's not a good thing. So why are you talking about that? So I want to define tonight the word crazy, just so that we're all on the same page. Uh, Crazy, uh, what I'm defining tonight, is outside the box. It's not practical, not logical, not not analytically fit into our, our scheme of thinking, but it's crazy, it's out there, and it's a good thing. And, and that's the, the way I see the word crazy. Uh, and it's like, whoa, it'd be crazy to think of something like that in such a good way, though. And so tonight I want to talk about uh, faith. Faith is this crazy call to step out. <laughs> and, you know, we read throughout the Bible, there are some situations where um, Abraham is to sacrifice his son Isaac. That's crazy. I mean, God calls him to this step of faith to sacrifice the son that he prayed for years for. March around Jericho 13 times in Joshua to get victory over a city. 13 times? Why can't I march around once? Why do I got to do 13 times? Jonah 
was called to preach to Nineveh, but there was the most brutal kings to ever walk the earth there. And, and they did the most uh, horrific things, and he was supposed to go and see repentance there. That's what God wanted. David, not even fully mature, goes to battle, not even with a sword, takes a slingshot and a few rocks. Like, that's a face step. Um, God told Hosea to take a prostitute as a wife. God asked Moses to hit a rock with the staff so that the water would come to the people. Moses did this in front of a lot of people. And if that did not work, he would look really foolish hitting his stick against the rock. Jesus asked Peter to walk on water. That is crazy. Naaman, a leper, is told by Elisha to go and dip himself in, in the water seven times to be healed of leprosy. And in that day, that's not how you heal leprosy. And I can think about, okay, seven times, one time nothing happened, two times, okay, this is really awkward looking. And the seventh time he was healed. Faith, it calls us. And, and I grew up in a Christian home, and I, I accepted Jesus in my heart at a young age. And, and um, I've had faith to believe he's in me. I know that without a doubt. In high school, you know, I've, and while growing up, I saw him moving in my family, in my life, in my church, in people around me. I knew that God was real. And, and then in high school, something changed where I, where I read this book, and I'm like, okay, God, you say some like, you pray for people and they get healed. And so, God, you say, well, we'll do greater works and we can partner with you. And it's okay. So if you're really real, I, I want it all. And it was a moment where God became so real to me. And, and, it's this, and that's my journey of faith. And, you know, I came to the reality that salvation, that the gospel isn't just salvation, but it's healing, it's deliverance, it's, it's all of it. And I want it all. And uh, so faith, you know, this crazy call to step out, to take a leap, to do something that just doesn't make sense in the natural and uh, I am an analytical, logical thinker. I like to see how things will work out. And God's been challenging me in this season. He's saying, you know, take a step of faith. Take a leap. And I always have seen faith as something where, um, and I, I didn't really know this, but I've realized that, you know, it's crazy. I, I wrestled with it, but I always have listened to stories about faith. I've even preached about faith. I, have, I, I love podcasts about faith. Uh, I love faith preachers and all of that. But in this season, in the last four months, I have never wrestled so much with the concept of faith. Well, what is it really? We read all about it. Well, if your faith is as small as a mustard seed, you can see a mountain moved and a mulberry tree moved and, and all of this. And it's like, God, I want the faith. Like, it's just that small, but I want that. And God's been, God's been just uh, challenging me on some things. He's saying, you know, um, is faith, is it really faith when I can see how it's going to work out? And a lot of my life, I have, I have believed for things, but... In my logical brain, I could actually figure out how it's actually going to happen. There, there's a logical way where I can, I can go, yeah, I'm believing to go to that event or retreat or something. But it's like, yeah, I know the money could come from like three options. It's a high, the risk level is like, there's probably a 10% chance it's not going to work out. 
You know, like I, I wasn't, it wasn't like this, this leap of faith where it's like, I don't know, I'm going to hit the rocks and it's just a straight leap. And, and, and there, yet there's been, you know, faith things like I, normally it's been one plus one equals two. So I know where it's all going to come from. I know, you know, but I, God's challenged me, he says, is it really faith when we can see how it's going to work out? When we see the end result, and I mean don't see it in the spirit, I mean kind of can kind of see it. But is faith really when we can't see it? But we just know in our hearts that God's calling us. And I believe God tonight wants to teach us what it means to take this crazy call. And I know for me in this season, this is what God's been teaching me. But I know tonight that he wants to challenge each of us. That we have a dream, we have a purpose, each of us in this room. God's put a design in our heart just for us. And He wants us to to be able to take steps of faith and to to trust Him. To not trust our own understanding, to not trust our own way of figuring it out. Well, I think, but to go, God, I'm in. And I'm going to lean on you. Let's pray. Holy Spirit. Thank you that you're here. God, we're not here for an event. We're not here to just sing some songs. But God, we're here to experience you. Holy Spirit, I thank you that you're here right now. I thank you that every person in this room has a call, has a, has a, has a dream, has a purpose set by you. That you have, you have put it in their heart, in their mind, in their soul from before they were even created. And God, I thank you that it's not an accident that we are in this room tonight together. God, I thank you that you have destined it. Now, Holy Spirit, I ask that every person in this room tonight, that we would have an encounter with you that would change us forever. God, not just a warm fuzzy or, or, or a great conversation or a great thought. But God, let the word of God go so deep into us tonight that we're never the same again. Jesus, we welcome you. We welcome you. We welcome you, Jesus. Jesus, it's about you. It's all about you, Jesus. You died on a cross for our sins, and we are so thankful. God, we are, we are indebted to you, God. We thank you. We honor you in this place. We praise you. We worship you. Father, I come against every distraction, everything that would be on anyone's mind tonight. Father, just anything, the distraction, we just take authority over that. That right now, Father, for every need that's represented, for every situation that's represented, for every healing that needs to happen, for every sickness that's that's represented in this room, for every mountain that's represented in this room, we just take authority over that in Jesus' name. Father, I pray you would open our eyes to what faith looks like and how you see faith and how you're calling us in that. In Jesus' name. Everybody said... Amen. Well, I want to I uh, just camp a little bit tonight on Gideon. 
and uh, Gideon in Judges chapter 6, if you have your Bibles, and I'm going to read uh, a, fair, a fair chunk of Scripture tonight and then have a few points, and then I believe that we're going to, uh, we're going to pray tonight. And I, I just really felt in prayer that we need to pray for, if you're here, we're going to pray for everyone. And so uh, whatever it is, but we're going to lay hands and pray and just uh, have a time with God because I believe He wants to minister to everyone here tonight. His presence is here. So Judges chapter 6, and I'm reading at verse 1. The Israelites did evil in the eyes of the Lord. And for seven years he gave them into the hands of the Midianites. Because the power of Midian was so oppressive, the Israelites prepared shelters for themselves in mountain clefts, caves, and strongholds. Whenever the Israelites planted their crops, the Midianites, Amalekites, and other eastern people groups invaded the country. They camped on the land and ruined the crops all the way to Gaza. They did not spare a living for Israel, neither sheep nor cattle nor donkeys. They came up with their livestock and their tents like a swarm of locusts. It was impossible to count them or their camels. They invaded the land to ravage it. Midian so impoverished the Israelites that they cried out to the Lord for help. When the Israelites cried out to the Lord because of Midian, he sent them a prophet who said, This is what the Lord, the God of Israel, says. I brought you up out of Egypt, out of the land of slavery. I rescued you from the hand of the, of the Egyptians. I delivered you from the hand of all your oppressors. I drove them out before you and gave you their land. I said to you, I am the Lord your God. Do not worship the God of the Amorites in, those, in whose land you live. But you have not listened to me. The angel of the Lord came and sat down under the oak tree in Oprah, or Oprah, I'll just say Oprah. And uh, maybe she owned the tree back then, I'm not sure. The own network. Um, the oak in Oprah that belonged to Joash the Abizurite, whose son Gideon was threshing wheat in a wine press to keep it from the Mennonites. When the angel of the Lord appeared to Gideon, he said, The Lord is with you, mighty warrior. Pardon me, my Lord? Gideon replied, But if the Lord is with us, why has all this happened to us? Where are all his wonders that our ancestors told us about? Did not the Lord bring us out of Egypt? But now the Lord has abandoned us and given us into the hand of Midian. The Lord turned to him and said, Go in strength, you have and save Israel. Out of Midian's hand, am I not sending you? Pardon me, Lord, Gideon replied. How can I save Israel? My clan is the weakest in Manasseh, and I am the least in my family. The Lord answered, I will be with you, and you will strike down all the Midianites, leaving none alive. Gideon replied, if now I have found favor in your eyes, give me a sign that it is really you talking to me. Please do not go away until I come back and bring my offering, and I set it before you. And the Lord said, I will wait until you return. Gideon went inside. He prepared a young goat from an ephah of flour, and he made bread without yeast. Putting the meat in a basket and its broth in a pot, he brought them out and offered them to him under the oak. The angel of God said to him, Take the meat and unleavened bread, place them on this rock, pour out the broth, Pour out the broth. And so Gideon did so. Then the angel of the Lord touched the meat and the unleavened bread with the tip of a staff that was in his hand. Fire flared from the rock, consuming the meat and the bread, and the angel of the Lord disappeared. When Gideon realized that it's the angel of the Lord, he exclaimed, Alas, sovereign Lord, I've seen the angel of the Lord face to face. 
But the Lord said to him, Peace, do not be afraid. You're not going to die, Gideon. So Gideon built an altar to the Lord there and called it, The Lord is Peace. To this day it stands in Oprah of the Abrezrites. That same night the Lord said to him, Take the second bull from your father's herd, one seven years old. Tear down your father's altar to Baal and cut the Asherah pole beside it. Then build a proper kind of altar using the wood of the Asherah pole you cut down. So Gideon took ten of his servants, did as the Lord said. But because he was afraid of his family and the townspeople, he did it at night rather than in daytime. In the morning when the people of the town got up, there was Baal's altar demolished, the Asherah pole cut down, and the second bull sacrificed on the newly built altar. They asked each other who did this. When they carefully investigated, they were told, Gideon, son of Joash, did it. So what happened there is, and then we'll move again. So what happens is the people go, okay, so who did this? They come out, they talk to the father, and the father's like, well... Listen, are you going to go kill my son, kill Gideon for doing this? Do you serve Baal? Like, why are you so mad that this happened? But the people were so turned in their hearts. And so they, they, were, they were just not serving God. And, and so Gideon, it goes down further here. It says, now in verse 33, it says, Now all the Midianites, Amalekites, and other West, eastern people joined forces and crossed over the Jordan and camped in the valley of Jezreel. Then the Spirit of the Lord came upon Gideon, and he blew a trumpet, summoning the Abrezites to follow him. He sent messengers through Manasseh, calling to arms, and into Asher, Zebulon, Naphtali, so that they too went up to meet them. Gideon said to God, If you will save Israel by my hand as you have promised. Look, I will place a wolf fleece on the threshing floor. If there is dew on the fleece, all the ground is dry, then I will know that you will save Israel by my hand, as you said. And this is what happened. Gideon rose early the next day, squeezed the fleece, and wrung out a dew, a bowl full of water. Then Gideon said to God, God, don't be angry with me. Let me make just one more request. Allow me... One more test with the fleece. But this time, make the fleece dry and let the ground be covered with dew. That night, God did so. Only the fleece was dry. All the ground was covered with dew. The story goes on to, after Gideon makes sure it's God a few times, and and it it goes on to, uh, he has 32,000 men together that are going to go attack. And uh, I don't know about you, but that's, that's a pretty good army. And I don't know how many he was attacking. I mean, a lot of people groups. But 32,000, I would place my bet on that. It sounds like a, yeah, it sounds like they could do some damage. And, um, but God says to Gideon, Re- reduce it. That's not the right amount of people. And he reduces it through a series of acts to 300 people. I don't know about you, but that is um, a crazy thing. Because there is the ability of, you know, you're going against people groups. You know, the Midianites, Malachites are there. There's Eastern people group. Like, it's just, there's a lot of people groups. And it says in the, further on, it says, The Midianites and the Malachites and all the Eastern people had settled in the valley thick as locusts. Their camels could no more be counted than sand on the seashore. That's a lot of people to take on with 300 people. Uh, there's more with them than with us. And that, that is a task. And so what happens is, is the sword of the Lord and for Gideon, he shouts at and they have victory. God gives them the victory.
And um, I find it interesting, I just want to go through that story a little bit. There's a few things that really stick out to me. Uh, it's seven years. I know Ken talked about significance of years. But for seven years, they were being ravaged by the Mennonites and all these other people groups. But it's like in the eighth year, it's a new beginning. It's a new season. It's, it's, it's a new thing. And um, God's calling each of us to do new things. And I believe there's a shift that is happening uh, from complacency, from mediocrity, from this microphone uh, that's making you jump. Some people just shifted a little bit. Um, There is a shift that that small dreams, small thinking. And uh, I guess, you know, there's someone here tonight that you're like, well, I guess, you know, I'm just working a job. I thought things would turn out different. But God's, God's, God's still got a call on you. God's still got that dream that he's put a long time ago. And he wants to see it come to pass. And I really believe that tonight. And uh, God has a purpose. And you are made with a purpose. Number one point that I really saw in the story was, we need to know who we are. The crazy calls, this, this call to take a leap of faith, but we have to know who we are. And before we have great faith, we must know that. Angel of the Lord comes to Gideon where he is. And he's threshing wheat in a wine press. That doesn't make sense. Here is this soldier guy threshing wheat in a wine press. First of all, he's not fighting. He's threshing wheat in the wine press. Wine press is where you make wine. Uh, You don't thresh wheat. But why is he in there is because he's scared. (laughs) Because people are taking things, and so he's found himself. He's like, Mom, I don't know what I'm supposed to be doing. I, I'm just going to hide so people don't take my stuff. And, and, and he's living in this, in this fear, and he's living in this place that he wasn't really made to live in. But that's where he finds himself, and that's where God finds him. See, he's a warrior, but he's doing work and hiding. He's disillusioned. He's the weakest of his, of his family. He's of a low clan. He's all of this. And the Midianites are in control. They're stealing constantly. But the angel comes and says to him, The Lord is with you, mighty warrior. Mighty warrior? See, God sees us not where we are, but where we're going to be. See, God saw, God saw in Gideon, there's a mighty warrior there. But Gideon's not a mighty warrior right now. He's a coward, really. He's a scared guy, just doing his thing, trying to like get some food for the family and for the, you know. And, and yet, but God saw. See, God sees not what we see. See, before we can change the world outside, we, we need to change it inside. See, it, you, you need to be, it needs to be about not our performance, not about what we do, but who we are. Many can look in the mirror and see what they're supposed to do, but do you look in the mirror and see who you are? Who's God created you to be? To be. To be. Many times you could be like, yeah, we got to do all this for God. But do we know who we are? Can we rest in the fact of, God, you, I know who I am in you. Before I go and do lots of stuff, See, our faith doesn't depend on others when we know who we are. But we often tend to depend on the surroundings rather than on faith. And I think more than anything, when I was in Africa, I, I, when people when they live in poverty, they have very little. But they have so much. They know who they are in Christ. They know the connection. Their faith is so great. 
because it has to be. But we live and are privileged to live in a pretty amazing world where we don't have to pray every day. Our paycheck will come. There is, there is provision. There is such blessing here where we could actually live without God very easily. We could go from Sunday to Sunday and really not have to have faith at all because we can believe in our paycheck and all the other things around us. See, do we know who we are? Who are we in Jesus? Jesus brought, bought us with a price. Do we understand that? And that's what God's been just challenging me. See, the very resurrected power of Christ lives in you and me. When we know our identity, we know how that works. See, if we don't know who we are, we don't have a chance. Insecurity, inadequacy, um, all those things, we don't even need an enemy to attack us. We just won't be successful. Because we don't even know who we are. We don't know who our God is. We don't have that connection built. And, and before we even get out of the starting gate, we're not going to survive. See, we'll never leave the wine press. We won't be content. See, we're ambassadors of sons and daughters of Jesus Christ. You're an ambassador. You're carrying the presence of God. The, the Bible says that you and me, we are the light of the world. That's not small. Do you know who you are? Gideon didn't know who he was. God says to Gideon, go and save. Gideon says, how can I save Israel? My clan's the weakest and I'm the least. God says, go in strength. I'll be with you. Tonight, faith calls us to know who we are. God's calling Gideons out of the wine press to do something that isn't even supposed to happen in there. See, it wasn't even, you're not supposed to thresh wheat in there but he's in there didn't know who he was number two fear will stop faith to take a leap of faith for Gideon this one guy to take a stand and try to wipe out two people groups is an insane thing it is it is like huh first of all he's scared doesn't know who he is and God's calling him a mighty warrior to go and take out people groups, to, 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 to rid them from them, to stop them from ravaging his people. Uh, this isn't just like a few people. These are nations. This is, this is a national level. <laughs> Gideon's just a guy. And, you know, the stories of all the people in Bible, they didn't know how it was going to work out. They didn't have something to read and go, oh yeah, I remember that time that somebody walked, Peter walked on water and it worked out for him. They didn't have that. And many times we don't have that. Because God doesn't do things in our lives where we're like, we don't, it's not, okay God, how's it going to work out with this job and, and all of this? Well, it's, the stuff about our job isn't in the Bible. But it's like when we know who we are. And so, you know, I have always loved mountain climbing. I, I love it. I've never done much of it, but I love it. I'm a great fan of it. Let's just say that. I think it's amazing sport. And I, what I really like is uh, solo climbing. 
And I love watching uh, trailers of documentaries and documentaries. Uh, if you come over to my house, I end up watching on Apple TV like all these sports trailers of these crazy feats. And, and many times I'll, I'll buy the video because it's like this is... But climbing, solo climbing... Um, and I was listening to a guy talk about it. And he was talking about uh, climbing these walls where they just basically, no ropes, nothing. They just find this like face of a mountain and they climb like thousands upon thousands of feet up. Just leaping, full on leaping from rock to rock with no ropes. So if they slip, it's over. And some of them even do speed climbing too. They take it like even to another level. And this guy was talking, he said, they said, well, how did you get into it? And he said, oh, well, you know, I had to really progress and I had to, I had to do it with the ropes first. But he said, there was a moment where I had to, I really had to come to grips with the fear, the fear of falling. And I had to get over the fear of falling because there's this instinctual fear that every time I leap, it's like, I'm going to fall. And it's like, as I'm falling and leaping, that you have to leap to get from like um, crevice to crevice. From there, sometimes when you reach up, there's nothing, and so to get something you can grab on, you actually have to leap or like go flying across sideways across this mountain. I mean, if you watch it, it it's it's insane, and um, these guys leap, and and it's just like and he said, there's something about the fear of falling that I had to really break, and so he would climb and he would actually fall. And get used to falling so that he could overcome it. And I think many times that's a little bit like our, our, our walk with God and our faith. Fear can hold us back. There's an adventure, there's an excitement to climbing the mountain like those guys climb. And, but fear holds them back if they don't do it. And I think instinctively there's fear. There's a fear of um, falling fear of failure, fear of what people will say, fear of what people, we think people will say, uh, fear of not succeeding. Let's stop on that thought. We have a mindset of what success is. What is success really? If, if God calls us to do something and we land on our, on our face, were we successful? We are. But many times our definition of success is what the world sees success as. If you have money, if you have job, if you have a position. And we framed our lives, yet we love Jesus and we love, we, uh, we go to church and everything. But yet we have this model of success that's not even what God's calling us to be. And, and, and it's, in, it's in competition to the call of faith, the call for us to step out. See, there's a fear there. Gideon is told and reminded who he is in God. He has favor and he's being sent, yet he's fearful. He puts fleeces out. Give me a sign. Is it really you talking, God? Gideon even says, um, says that, you know, I've seen the angel of the Lord face to face. He says that. Yet he's still fearful and still needs to put the fleeces out. And, and, I, and I can really relate to Gideon. I don't know about you, but for me it's like, yeah. You're, you're one guy I can relate to. You know, it's like the fear. And it's just, there's a fear there. And this, but, you know, the God says, or the scripture says, the spirit of the Lord came upon him and he blew a trumpet. 
And so God's working, yet there's fear, and there's this, this working out of this fear to let faith come through. And, and then Gideon says to God, and I find this really funny because he goes, God, don't be angry with me, but let me make one more request. And it's like he's having this conversation. It's like, don't be angry. Like, you know where this is going to go, God. And it's funny because um, in Judges 7, 9, God says, get up, Gideon, and go down against the camp because I'm going to give it into your hands. And he says this, God says this, if you're afraid to attack... Go and listen what they're saying, and you'll be encouraged to attack the camp. Like God was speeding it up. Do you ever, you ever have an email conversation with someone, and you know they're going to ask a question already ahead of time? God knew Gideon was going to put all these fleeces out again, and God's like, attack has to happen now. This is taking way too long. Let's just cut to the point. Gideon, you're going to ask me. I'm scared to go. I'm you know, going to do all this. Let me just tell you right now, if you're scared to attack, this is what you can do. And so I just find it humorsome. And it's like, of course, Gideon follows that and wants to go find out because he's scared to take 300 people against nations. And, you know, He takes 300 people. He doesn't take them with grenade launchers, rocket launchers, tanks. He takes them with trumpets, jars, and torches. God's ways are not man's ways. God's thoughts are not man's thoughts. And that wasn't what man would have had in mind that day. But God, they had victory. And I share this message tonight because I relate to Gideon. You know, as Ken said, we started Resurgence five years ago. And, and, you know, hey, let's invite people. Let's invite God. Let's see what happens was the heart of it. And, and God put this, this word that, you know, it's not about a night. It's about, it's about a lifestyle. It's about all of this. And it grew. And, and, and we have a team. And, and together as a team, we're just like, God, what are you saying? And... Um, and then, you know, this, this uh, June, we, we've had a lot of dreams and a lot of thoughts, but we got together and then in July and just really said, what would it look like? Like this leap. If I do this full time, if as a team, we, it's not just me, but it's a team like taking that on. And, and resurgence is a great thing. God's been doing great things. Could we... Could this ruin it? Like, God, if we don't hear from you, like we could ruin a really great thing. Or God, if we hear from you, this could be, you know, a really great thing. And it, and it was this real season of like, okay. And as a team, we prayed. Me personally, I, I just, it's like I, I, I went to some conferences and go, okay, God, you know, give me the green light. Like, what are you saying? And inside, I knew what I was supposed to do. Inside, I knew that I was made to do this. That this is God put this inside of me before even. But it's like, and other people around me are like, you're totally going to do that. But I wasn't there yet. And uh, I was wrestling with it. And I was just like, you know, how am I financially going to, how, like practically, like this is all great. Faith is great. But how do you practically do it? That's, that's a difference. And my analytical mind analyzed it in many ways. And I'm here tonight to tell you I don't know the answer. 
but I trust him. And there's such a trust of him and a know that you know that you know. And there have been mornings when I was wrestling this where fear would wake me up. And it was just a fear of how are you going to pay the bill? How, how are we going to do that? What if, you know, what if this doesn't work out? And yet I just would pray and it's like, do you trust me? <laughs> do you trust me? I just felt those words. I'm like, yes, I trust you, God, but <sighs> that's hard. It's really hard. Because I don't know how it's going to work out. And I still don't know how it's going to work out. See, does our trust have borders? How far will we trust? Will I walk on water when I can't see the end? Face a leap. And I told someone recently, it's like leaping off a cliff without a parachute. (laughs) And going, I don't know how this is going to work. It's, it's crazy. But we need to break fear. And the way we can break fear and silence it means taking a risk of faith. Sometimes we're fearful, you know, God will lay it on our heart to go pray for somebody. Go pray for someone for healing. Many times fear will grip our hearts and we'll be like, yeah, is that really you, God? Well, the devil's not going to tell you to go pray for someone for healing, first of all. <laughs> Second of all, you know, and, and then we go, well, we might let them down if it doesn't happen. They're already down. They're sick. They don't know Jesus. See, there's got to be something inside of us that, that burns, that goes, they don't know Jesus, and they need to know Jesus. Because we carry something. We are the light. And too many times we're so hidden in our churches or hidden in our, in, in our, in our little life where we miss the point. We're carriers we're of the very resurrection power of Jesus. That wherever we go, it, it's supposed to ooze out of us. But many times it's like, oh, I don't know, I'm scared. It's time to break the fear off. God's got a call over everyone in this room. And there are some that have been held back by fear, held back by what people will think, held back by circumstance, held back by this and by that. But it's time to step forward. It's time to take the leap. It's time to break off fear and to move forward because Canada needs you to step into your destiny. A nation needs to be saved. Could God save Canada in a day? Yes, He could. He could do it in an hour. I believe so. But it's when we receive in a second. Come on. But when we, when we get it, when we go, okay, I'm living the dream. I'm living the purpose. This is what I was made for. See, your greatest opportunity is in front of you, but fear may be stopping you. Your greatest dream, the greatest dream that God birthed in your heart could be stopped by fear. Number three, trust God with everything. Matthew 17, 20 says, If you have faith as small as a mustard seed, you can say to this mountain, Move from here to there, and it will move. Nothing will be impossible to you. Do I trust the storm or do I trust God? Do I trust my surroundings or do I trust God? Do I trust resources, connections, people that I know, or do I trust God? been times I've trusted everything but God. In the name of God and in the name of my faith and in the name of all of that, but I knew it's all how it's all going to work out. 
And many times worry becomes our foundation for faith. And it shouldn't be. We, we, someone gets sick or there's a mountain that comes and it's like, okay, da, da, da. Oh, this, is, this is a storm. And, and, and all of a sudden we're going to God because we have to go to God because there's worry in our life. Because we don't know who we are. We're fearful. But it's like, do we trust Him? See, when we know who we are, we can lean into Him with everything. Faith is what pleases God. See, it's an act of trust as Him as the Father. He alone is a source of faith. Proverbs 3, 5, and 6, verse 3, 5, and 6 says, Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways, acknowledge Him, and He shall direct your path. I knew that in Sunday school. Actually, we college when I was four. I think I probably had to memorize that. But how many times have I forgot that? I trust in a lot of stuff, but I don't trust in Him. Trust everything. Christians are believers, but many times we're more like unbelieving believers. We trust our friends. We trust the bank. We trust the stock market. We trust the government more than we trust God. In John fifteen five, Jesus says that apart from Him, we can do nothing. See, we need to lean on Him for help with everything. You know, there's a song by Hillsongs uh, that they came out in a Zion album that during this uh, season, I just, I've had it on repeat. And um, it's where my feet may fail. Verse 1 says, You call me out upon the waters, the great unknown, where feet may fail, and there I find you in the mystery. In oceans deep my faith will stand, and I will call upon your name and keep my eyes above the waves. When oceans rise, my soul will rest in your embrace, for I am yours and you are mine. Your grace abounds in deepest waters. Your sovereign hand will be my guide. Where her feet may fail and fear surrounds, you've never failed and you won't start now. Spirit, lead me where my trust is without borders. Let me walk upon the waters wherever you would call me. Take me deeper than my feet could ever wander. My faith will be made stronger in the presence of my Savior. Do you trust God with everything? You trust God with everything. And the last point tonight is you were made for this. Gideon was made for that. I'm made for this. You're made for what God's called you to do. God put all the things inside of you. God has equipped you. God has readied you. You were made to live out your dream. See, if you choose to live a life that God is calling me and you to live, it isn't comfortable, it isn't safe, it isn't orderly. It's kind of crazy, but He's made you for it. In my journey, I prayed for peace, and I said, God, if you're calling me to step out full-time with resurgence and all of this, I want a peace in my heart. And, I, and we've heard this many times. People have said to me, I need a real peace on that. I'm praying for a peace. And so I prayed, and I prayed, and I, I sought friends, and I'm like, God, I need a peace. Like, speak like that, I would just a peace. And, you know, the more time I realized, I'll never have a complete peace. 
Because the peace I was looking for was to be in control. The only way that I would ever have peace is if I knew how it's all going to work out and I was in control. And that would be perfect peace for me. But not trusting God with everything. And I wanted to know how things would work out. Will, will it all work? And I realized that my desire for peace left very little room for faith and for God. I realized that the sense of adventure, excitement, adrenaline from taking a leap with no ropes, pushing past fear, all of that is exhilarating. And it was what I was made for. And there is a point where you know that God's called you. But there's also this uneasiness where you don't know how it's going to work out. But that's how those mountain climbers, they climb and there's that adrenaline. They say that it's just like surging through their veins. And see, when we live the dream that God's called us to, He's put a sense of adventure inside of us. We like adventure. Many of us don't experience adventure because at times fear holds us back or we're too scared to live it out. But deep down, we're attracted. We like adventure. We like doing things that are exciting and adventuresome. And so, it's, it's, I was on the way to the airport. I went to uh, Toronto about a week and a half ago. And um, Ryan was driving me to the airport. And uh, we were just talking and stuff. And he dropped me off. And, and I'm standing there at the uh, departures level um, and just saying, hey, thanks, thanks for the ride. And I said, this is, this is a crazy face season. And we were just talking about it. And he said, he kind of paused and he goes, I want to tell you something. It's game day. And you were made for this. And I'm thinking, and I got, and I left him, and he said a few things like that, and I'm just thinking, game day, it's game day. And it just hit me. It's like, yeah, I can be worried, and I can be fearful, and I can be all those things, but it's like, God, this is exciting. It's that feeling in the dressing room before you go out. And it's like, okay, it could be a crazy game. It could, you don't know what's going to happen. But it's like we're here. And it's like just knowing it's game day. Do what you were called to do and just do it. It'll all work out. See, it wasn't the peace I wanted, but it was God reminding me that He calls. He's with us. Gideon had God with him. God put up with his fear and saw a mighty warrior arise. Every run in this room tonight is called to arise. God's saying arise into what I've called you to be. Second Peter 1.3 says, His divine power has given us everything we need for a godly life through our knowledge of Him who called us by His own glory and goodness. Isn't that good? The prophet Jonah uh, 800 years before Christ, he heard the call to go to Nineveh. He didn't want to go. It was the last Assyrian empire. And it, they say stuff that was going on there was some of the worst stuff in history. Kings were doing atrocious things. Like it was bad. It wasn't sinful. Like it was beyond. Like it was a bad situation. And God said, go preach to Nineveh. And the last place Jonah wanted to go was Nineveh. He's like, I'm not going there. And if I do, I, like, I want to preach that they would, like, the wrath of God and I'll die. Like, I, I don't want to do that. 
And so he ran from God. He went down to jo- Joppa, it says in, in one three of Jonah. And then he went down into a ship and down into the ship's hold. The storm came and sailors threw him down into the sea. A great fish swallowed him and he went down in the belly. belly. And then he then prayed, you cast me into the deep. I went down to the moorings of the mountains. When the fish vomited Jonah and God spoke the text, it says, Jonah, arise. Jonah, arise. We arise. There's something about rising again. God wants you to rise. See, it's a call to be. We can get so worked up in the doing. We need to be. It isn't to do attitudes. It's to be attitudes. It's about, it's about being in Christ. Uh, I was in Toronto, as I mentioned, and I, I got the privilege to go to a, a school of evangelism for four days with a guy named Reinhard Bonnke. Has anyone heard of Reinhard Bonnke before? So Reinhard Bonnke is a, a German-born evangelist, and he was born in Germany. And um, at four years old, he was on a ship, and the ship went sideways. And he knew as a kid, being four years old, people were like, like they thought the ship was going down. And um, he, he remembered the prayers go up, and immediately the ship righted itself. And Reinhard um, went on to say that God saved them. And, and, and then he's 10 years old. A woman comes and he's in their small little church in Germany, and she says, I see a boy feeding bread to uh, African people. And that boy is Reinhard. And so at 10 years old, he's like, I want to go to Africa. Like, there was just this call. He knew it. And his father's like, Reinhard? Really? <laughs> and in fact, his father said, when Reinhard told his father, I want to be in ministry, his father said, well, your brother's going to take over my ministry, this small church, be my successor, not you, Reinhard. And uh, he said, I'm so thankful for that because I wasn't called to the little church. I was called to Africa. And he went to Africa, and at 32 years old, God showed him a picture of the map of Africa. He's sitting in Lesotho, Africa, right by South Africa, a really small country. And God saw, he saw the blood of Christ covering Africa. And when the blood of Christ covered Africa, Africa shall be saved. But he's 32 years old. He's in Lesotho. There's like five people in his church. He, he said it was a miracle-free zone. Nobody was getting healed. No, but nothing was happening. Yet he believed it. And he just kept seeking God. And there was fear. And even missions organizations were like, Yeah, your call. Like, this is how we do it. This is how, you know. But it's like, Africa shall be saved. He had a dream in his heart that man didn't put there, but God put there. And when God puts it, he figures it out. And he trusted in God. So he moved then to South Africa and says, i got to do something different. So God, he just felt God say, fly to Botswana, Gaborone, Botswana, land there. You know, one pastor there, go see him. Go see his pastor. As soon as he lands, he sees a stadium. And he felt the Holy Spirit said, rent the stadium. Okay, I don't know anyone here. But... He says this, when the Holy Spirit says something, I jump. And so he went to the guy and he said, the one pastor who has 40 in his church said, I'm going to rent the stadium. And he says, you're going to rent the stadium. I mean, I have room for 500 in my church. Like, I can only get 40. So 
Okay. But he goes, no, I'm renting a stadium. So they went and rented the stadium before anything could go by. He didn't want any other fear or anything. He just wanted to do what God said. Just obey God. So then he started going to different churches and asking, hey, would you come? My name's Reinhard Bunke and I've rented the stadium. Would you bring your church? Every church said no. I don't know you. You don't know what you're doing. We're not interested in that. So he rented the stadium. A few months later, he came and um, he preached. There was 200 people the first night in a big stadium. The pastor of the church, he was excited. Because he's like, I have 40 in my church. Just 200 people here. This is a great crowd. <laughs> Reinhardt's like, Lord, you told me to rent the stadium. So they pray, preach the gospel. And then he says, I see God's healing people tonight. And all of a sudden, one guy stands up. I'm healed. Four more. I'm healed. Five people. By the end of that, that week of meetings, the stadium was full. Thousands upon thousands. The ministry grew, so they decided to, to uh, build a tent. They needed a tent because stadiums weren't big enough. There was a soccer field. They would wreck it too much. So they built the world's largest tent at the time. It was six stories high that seat 35,000 people. And they started just, they would show up and they would preach Jesus. And people were getting saved by the thousands. So then one time they're in a crusade and a tornado hits the tent. And so people weren't in it yet, but hit the tent. And, and Reinhardt's like, what are we going to do? God, like, like we, do we cancel the meetings? Like, and, and he felt God say, my glory shall be the canopy. And all of a sudden, instead of having 35,000, they went to 150,000. They went to 200,000. And it grew until uh, in Nigeria alone, they would have 3 million people on a single field at one time. 3 million people. I don't know anyone in the world that's talked, preached. I mean, a lot of artists, you know, over TV. But to have 3 million people at the sound of your voice, it's unreal. That's God. (laughs) And in those meetings, 1.6 million people would lift their hands to accept Jesus. And then 50,000 ushers would come out and like put cards, follow up. Churches were being full of converts. Some churches would get like 20,000 converts. Like it was just <laughs> unbelievable what God has done. In, in the year 2000 to 2010, they saw 55 million accept Christ in Nigeria alone. Their ministry seen 75 million people accept Christ. Some go, well, maybe they're not all in church now. Okay. Let's say 50% are in church. It's more than I've witnessed to. Let's say 10%. I mean, like Canada's 35 million people. If God can save 55 million people in 10 years, He can save Canada. 35 million. You know, when he was four years old, Reinhardt was on that ship and he says this. He goes, I know why that ship righted itself when it wasn't supposed to. Because I was on that ship. And 75 million in Africa were depending on me to be on that ship and to survive. See, God's with you. See, when God's with you and God puts a dream, he takes care of it. He looks after you. When you know who you are, when you know, he he takes care of it.
We must know who we are. We can preach a lot of things. We can say a lot of great things. But Jesus Christ is the answer. There's no other way to heaven but through Jesus. Jesus. We're the light of the world. Jesus is the hope. He's the one who made each of us and calls us to follow. He's the most amazing person to ever walk this earth. He washed feet. He modeled love. He died on a cross so marred that they didn't even recognize him. For me and for you, for people out that door. It's a call to be. I feel like God's saying we need to give up something that we weren't created to be in the first place. We didn't, he didn't create you for you, but you for him. He didn't create you for you, but you for him. See, when it's all about him, he cares about you. <laughs> see, you have to see the value in you. We need to love God with everything we are. Christ paid a price. He so loved us that he gave his son. It's time to get over us. <laughs> How many times is us, my agenda, my plan, my dream, my vision of success, my fear, my, my, my stuff. So many times. God says something, but I'm like, ah, what about me, God? How do I fit in this? We're the light of the world. See, we're not going to be the light of the world. We are. Jesus' heart breaks for Canada. Jesus' heart breaks for your community. Jesus' heart breaks for the barista person at Starbucks that serves you a coffee. And inside of each of us, we have the answer and the hope and the salvation that they don't have. And we walk in and we walk out many times, me, many times. And I don't do anything to direct them to Jesus. And I've just been so burdened that even, even as a community, as people that love God, have faith. Oh God, would you do more? If we're not winning the lost, we're missing the point. Jesus said to go into all the world. I don't know what it looks like for you. I don't know how that looks like at your job. But it's not that hard. Sometimes fear holds us back. Sometimes not knowing who we are. Sometimes not trusting in Him. And knowing it's, you were made for this. God's given everything inside of you. I was on the streets in Toronto and we were walking from this conference and there was uh, two, uh, three Muslim sheikhs that were at the hotel I was staying at. And they were there for a spiritual conference. Well, we got to pray with them and lay hands on them. I don't think they accepted Christ as their Savior. But they're like, oh, you're not supposed to hug us. And then we were hugging them. We were praying the love of God. And they weren't stopping it. 
They, they could have walked away. And they thanked us. And I pray even for them right now. That whatever happened in that moment, that the transfer, that there's something happened in their spirit. They go, something was different about those people. They showed the love of God to me. Could we show the love of God everywhere we go? Karis, would you come? And Tonight, I felt like there's a moment like that at that Oprah place by the oak tree. In the story of Gideon. Where the angel came to Gideon. And he basically says, arise Gideon. I'm calling you a mighty warrior. And Gideon went on to battle and he said, a sword for the Lord and for Gideon. See, God partners with us. You know, the word says we'll do greater things. I I think that really means, there's a lot of translations. I think it really means that we're partnering with God. I don't think we could ever do greater than Jesus could ever do or God. Because he's God. But I think he allows us to partner. And I think we can do greater things than Jesus did on earth. Absolutely. But it's partnering with God. Isn't that amazing that we can partner with God? I mean, we can partner with ministries. We can partner with each other. We can partner. But we get to partner with God. Hmm. Yeah. Holy Spirit, we just thank you. We thank you that your presence is here. God, I thank you that the word says that rivers flow inside of us, that rivers of living water are flowing. God, we don't want a lake that's stale. We want the river to flow. Father, I thank you for faith. I thank you that you call us to do things that seem crazy that seem impossible, that seem insane, that seem so out of the realm of our thinking. But God, your thoughts are higher. Your ways are higher. It doesn't make sense to the natural. But God, I thank you that you don't operate in the natural. So God, right now I pray for every person in this room That tonight there would be a a shift. A recognition of the dream that you've placed inside of them. And the things that maybe have stopped them from seeing that to come to a reality. Whether it's trust or whether it's fear or whether it's identity or whatever. God, we're done with that. We want you. So Holy Spirit, as you hovered over the earth before it was formed, I thank you that you're hovering over every heart in this place tonight. Jesus, Jesus. With every eye closed and head bowed, if you're here tonight and you don't know Jesus as your Lord and Savior, He wants to know you tonight. It's the greatest thing that we can talk about is Jesus.
We can talk about faith and we can talk about healing and we can talk about lots of things, but without a relationship with God, it's what we're, that's what we're all about. And God loves you so much. And he wants to come in your heart. Maybe you're here and you're like, yeah, I've done that long ago, but I need to come back to him. There's, there's, yeah, stuff that's happened and I just, I've lost that relationship. God wants to know you. That you wouldn't just know about him, but that you would know him tonight. And you would say, Travis, I don't know him tonight. I know about him, but I, I can honestly say I want to know him tonight. I want to know Jesus just raise your hand if that's you. No one's looking around. and, and um, Yeah, thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Yeah. Yeah. Well, we're going to pray. Just going to wait one more minute, just if any other hands that need to come up. Just keep your hand up if it's up. Just no one's looking around, but yeah. Thank you, Lord. Let's pray. I want you to just repeat this after me. Jesus, why don't we all pray? Jesus, I thank you that you're here tonight. And I invite you to come into my life tonight. I want to know you. I want you to be the savior of my life. I want you to make yourself real to me tonight. I thank you for dying on the cross for my sins. And now I'm a son, I'm a daughter of you. Help me to live this life out with you. In Jesus' name. Amen. I know there's about four or five people that, that prayed that tonight. And I want to, I want to make sure that before you leave tonight, I, I want you to, uh, Braden, why don't you stand up? Just, this is Braden. He's an intern with us and a great guy. And he just has a heart to really um, just share the love of God, what's happened in your heart. And so he's going to be over to this side, if that's okay. And so when we just call people forward, I'm going to invite you to just come and just to, to meet with him. And he just wants to connect you, make sure we get you connected to a church and, and make sure that. So if you put your hand up, please don't just leave and go, I, I, I responded. Please come see him. And that would be, be amazing. He wants to pray with you. As we were praying too, I, I just feel that uh, as we preached, talked about Jesus and, and Gideon and all of this tonight, I feel that like God wants to heal people tonight. Even as I was speaking, I, I just felt that. And there's uh, blindness, deafness, back pain just all sorts of conditions and we're just I'm just going to pray corporately because I just believe that God is going to heal right now corporately the anointing is here the fresh just God is here
And he loves you so much. He wants to set you free from every infirmity, every disease. So in Jesus' name, we pray for every sickness, every blind eye, every deafness in every ear to open now, to see now for every back pain, for every neck pain, for every, every leg pain, for every infirmity, every disease from celiac to, to anything in the gastrointestinal. Father, every disease every single disease we ask right now in Jesus name we command everything to leave now every infirmity every work of the devil everything of fallen man to leave and we thank you now that you died on the cross for our sins but also for our healing that we would be totally set free In Jesus' name, we declare healing. By your stripes we are healed. We take authority right now in this place over every sickness, over every disease. And we say you are not welcome on any body that's present here tonight. Or every body that's representing someone else that's not here tonight. You are not welcome and leave now in Jesus' name. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Yeah, His presence is here. Just, just, just welcome Him. Jesus. Jesus. Uh, Dean and the prayer ministry team, if you guys can just come. And just get ready. Ken and Lena. One thing I wanted to say earlier, and I just felt reserved to keep it for later, and it's right now. We work in the Northwest Territories. We have a ministry up there among the Aboriginal Inuit in the Northwest Territories. And uh, about a year ago, we were contacted by a couple just in their early 30s, 32, 30, that live in Mongolia. Mongolia. Now, how how many of you know that's a country, Mongolia. But how many of you, you've had no contact with that country? It's, it's not really a well-known place, right? Like it's, if I said China, Tibet, but Mongolia. Well, Mongolia is uh, a place that when people want to leave there to travel or anything, they have to get a visa and they have to go through the Chinese government. And it's really difficult. And we've been working with this couple because... This couple has been given a love for the Northwest Territories. And they were, they were looking at our website. And they saw that we had a need in the Northwest Territories. And they began to get such a burden and a love for the people of the North. Uh, from all the way from Mongolia. That they contacted us and they said... We want to come there, and we're prepared, hear this, to give our lives for the people of the Northwest Territories. Like, they're prepared to come and to stay and to literally die there, whenever that is. And they're talented. They're church planters. He's a musician. He, he makes guitars like he makes them. He teaches it. And uh, we just found out today that after months of 
uh, doing all the paperwork. And I've never in all my ministry had to do so much to try to bring a person over to visit. We found out today that the government there said they're not allowed to go. They're just not allowed to leave. Can you imagine after all that prayer, after hearing God, after all that direction, and them saying they're prepared to die in the Northwest Territories, and they're only 30 and 32? But here's what he writes me. He says, and I'm, I'm going to write, read it as he wrote it. He has about grade five or six English speaking ability, but he's, he's powerful. He says, we will keep pursuing to the North Canada prayerfully. Please keep us in your prayers. Of course, we will never give up unless God changes his mind. And then he quotes Hebrews 13.8. Jesus Christ is the same yesterday and today and forever. And then he says, his love for the Inuit people in the North is still the same. We are asking the Lord Jesus Christ to send us to the Inuit. We are planning to dedicate ourselves for prayer time for the Inuit people. God is teaching me. Let the Lord be the Lord of everything. We are leaving it in God's hands. We love all of you in Jesus' name. God bless you. I felt I needed to share that in conjunction with what we have heard because that's a real testimony. Thank you, Ken. Yeah, why don't we stand? Karis, why don't you just lead us? And and, and in a moment, I'm going to invite everyone here to come forward to pray. And uh, and I'll explain just how we're going to do that. But I just invite you. I know some people, you you know, it's like, okay, well, it's getting kind of late and I should go. And but I just encourage you, don't miss a moment with God tonight. And and we're just the the altar call is going to be simple. I don't like that sound. That's the altar call. No. Um, it's going to be simple. It's just whatever you need from God. You might, you might need healing, you might, but you might go, you know what? I need to let fear cut out of my life. I, I know there's a dream. I know there's a calling. I know there's something. I need to know what that is tonight, God. Or, God, I'm... I'm taking this step to say I'm all in tonight. I'm going for it. And I, I, I need prayer. Whatever it may be, whatever stage you might be at, whatever thing, you may just say, I want more of God. Then we want to pray. And so, Karis, if you could lead us. And let's just, let's just worship and invite him in a moment call forward. But I just want to encourage you. I know sometimes it's like I kind of get a little antsy. And it's like, oh, I guess I could leave now. It's a good time. But don't, don't miss out. He wants to do something. I, in prayer this week, just really felt um, like just the, the sovereignty of God in a sense of God doing something in this community in this fall that's going to be uh, something that you can't advertise, you can't explain. It's just going to be something that God does. I just, I feel that. I have such a sense of that even right now in this room. That God is going to do something together. As we are together in unity representing many churches, God's going to do something in the city. I I just see it. He's going to do something not just in the city, but in the nation. It's bigger than the city. Some of you in this room are called to go. 
to go to nations. Some of you, God's even putting the dream tonight that you're called to go and be a missionary somewhere. Like, like even what you shared, you're called to go. God's, God's even confirming that and going, yeah, that's not just a pizza. That's not just a good idea. I'm calling you. So let's just worship him.